This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. And we're on, and welcome to another episode of Three Yards Per Carry on the Five Reasons Sports Network. I'm Alf, and I'm here with Simon and Chris, and let's get right into it. Simon, Saturday night, the most searched word or phrase on Google was Liverpool GK, and the second most was Carius. Explain to us what that means. Um, well, I'm trying to think of a witty answer, and I'm stumped. <laughs> um, what it means is it, it. This is painful for me to have to re, redo this. You know, this is uh, Liverpool's three-one defeat in the Champions League final to Real Madrid in Kiev. Uh, which was came about due to two horrific mistakes by goalkeeper Loris Karius, who could not carry us to the Champions League title, unfortunately, due to his horrific goat fucks. Um, <laughs> but I'm glad that I spent a thousand pounds, eighteen hundred dollars, in journeying across Europe to Ukraine, which is a separate country, not Russia, as certain friends of mine. Hi, Chris. Um, <laughs> believe it to be. Um, but apart from barely, the result, you barely escaped alive. I barely escaped. Cancelled flights, uh, redirected flights, missed flights. I had to sleep in a cafe in a coffee shop in Stockholm Airport on Monday night, which was about as uncomfortable a night's sleep as I, I say sleep. I mean, let, let's be realistic. Um, but the door was open, left inexplicably open by the coffee person when they left to go home for the evening and i was in there like a rat up a drain pipe to uh to find a in inverted commas comfy chair for four hours until the uh till the coffee person opened up at 5 a.m and was shocked to find me in there um <laughs> and when i cleaned my teeth and 35 minutes later i was on a flight bound for paris when i arrived uh i was held up in passport control and therefore missed my connecting flight home so I was actually back 28 hours later than I was supposed to be, which was a joyous culmination to a, a beautiful defeat for my beloved team. But alas, it was a great trip, and there were some memories, despite the defeat, that will indeed last a lifetime. So This does remind me of some of those Russian videos on YouTube. It's not Russian. <laughs> it's Ukraine. It's a different country. Did you not see the news today? The journalist who faked his own death? Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Interesting story. Yeah, astonishing story. That's the sort of shady shit that happens in Eastern Europe. <laughs> which is why I'm glad which is why I'm glad I got out alive. Anyway, this is a painful subject for me, so please can we get it on to something different? Well, one last question on that. Uh, Go for it. Did he play his last game at goalkeeper for Liverpool FC? I'm pretty sure he did. I'm pretty sure he did. I don't know how you ever recover from that. Um you know, in all seriousness, um, he's young and uh, he 
hopefully has good years ahead of him and hopefully he can recover but quite how you do so when you've had two god awful mistakes on 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 a world stage such as that uh, you know and it's not it's not necessarily the mental thing it's and it's not necessarily when he plays at Anfield which is Liverpool's home stadium again but when he goes to play at other teams Manchester United and Tottenham and Arsenal and you know the the home fans at those stadiums will will give him hell um because we're an unforgiving group us soccer fans in this country so i suspect his future probably lies in a different country at least for a year or so where he can just rebuild his confidence and mentally just grow and get back to an even keel after after what happened listen you know it happens he didn't mean to make the mistakes he didn't mean to you know he didn't mean to do it it's um well, nobody uh, means to fuck a goat. <laughs> no, nobody means, but he, boy, he bent it over and gave well, it as good as he could get. Well, Chris, do you remember any dolphin that this has happened to of the same caliber? I would say because Sammy Smith is the most obvious one because he but this he would, completely this would destroyed be like, uh, a season. This would be like Sammy Smith fumbling twice on walk-in touchdowns to win Super Bowls. I mean, you know, we were in yeah. the game, essentially dominating the game for for a great period of it until. You know, it was nil-nil, and we were comfortable. And then he, you know, tried to throw it out and just sort of telegraphed it. And Kareem Benzema stuck his leg out, and it, we won the down. We equalised. Gareth Bale scores the amazing overhead kick, and you you just hold your hands up and say, "You can't." You know, nobody in the world would have saved that. And then the third goal, when we we're just trying to get, we hit the post, and, and then he just throws one in to make it three-one. And you know, but that's like there, I think there is a comparison. It's you know, it's like a it's like walking touchdowns to win a Super Bowl and dropping them as you cross the goal line uh, and ending up losing. I'm not sure I can think of a sporting comparison. This isn't this isn't a timeout for the University of Michigan in the in, you know in the mm-hmm. in the national championship game. This isn't. I'm not sure there's a comparison. You know, and it's it's lo- it's lonely being a goalkeeper, and I don't think it was any more lonely goalkeeper than Loris Carrius on Saturday night. And you know, I for one hope he gets you know. I hope he gets over it, and I hope he can resume his career and be the player that hopefully everybody thinks he can be. But God knows it's going to be difficult for him. Uh, I think the Dolphins haven't had a game that consequential since I was like four years old or so. Uh, So I I don't think that I can uh, remember that. I I do remember that Ray Finkel had a moment, though. Yeah. Stojanovic Stojanovic missing that field goal was pretty bad. Yeah. What about James McKnight's helmet catch when he caught it with his face mask against Baltimore when he lost 23 in the <laughs> AFC wildcard? No. That was pretty gruesome. Well, actually, Alf, didn't you have one? You just told me about uh, the other day. I mean, as much as we love uh, Kim Bocamper, there was a, there was a moment like oh that, wasn't there? Oh, my God. Uh, Simon, do you remember our Super Bowl against the Redskins? In, uh, I don't know what Super Bowl number that was, but it was in 1982. Do you remember that game? I don't. I was uh, at that point. I've obviously seen highlights of it back subsequently, but um, I haven't. See, I started my Dolphins fandom the year that. So back end of '83, start of '84. So that kind of the really it was Marino that um, kind of energized me from from this side of the pond. So, um, but go on. Well, I'll give it to you. Really, I obviously know. I obviously know what you're going to say, but. Okay, that that Dolphin team was an odd team because it wasn't something that we were used to uh, in the 80s. It was the number one defense in the NFL and a running game. And absolutely horrid quarterback play. We had David Woodley in that game. Yeah, the late David Woodley. <laughs> yes. And uh, he got <laughs> Why benched. Why is that funny? Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> Have some respect here. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say. Yeah, he got benched in that game for Don Strzok. That's how bad it was. But the offense you know, wasn't going anywhere. But even then, we found ourselves very late in the third quarter with a 17-10 to 10 lead with the number one defense in the NFL. And Joe Theismann and the Redskins backed up to their two-yard line. And Theismann throws what's going to be a screen pass that Kim Bocamper, or I, think, I believe it was Doug Betters, batted up into the air and started floating toward the end zone toward the corner of where the pylon is at the one-yard mm. line. And here comes Kim Bocamper running right under it, and there is nobody within 10 yards of him. But the last thing you see is the ball hit his hands in the end zone, and Joe Theismann come flying out of nowhere to Not knock him out. out of his hands. Now, you got to think, I don't know if they win the game, but a 24-10 to 10 lead with the number one defense going to the fourth quarter 
It's a pretty good lead. Yeah. Okay. And, well, the, what happened next was, of course, they drove on that drive and final score, 27-17. Dolphins never threatened the rest of the way. And as it turns out, we've never gotten close to winning anything since then. So, you know, but... Okay. Yeah, pretty depressing. Well, we've say. we've we've started this off depressing. This is can we can we get a restart here? Because now I'm just really, <laughs> yeah, that, I'm bummed. Yeah, that, that, Listen, it, it really is. Imagine imagine being me. I've just had to sit here and pull my heart yeah. out for this, this tragedy that unfolded on Saturday evening. Yeah, but I I'll, cannot imagine watching my team lose in Russia and then getting stuck there. Uh, it's not <laughs> Russia. <laughs> Yeah, but all this does is remind you that you need a team to be successful, okay? Absolutely. No INT now. No, no. You need a team to be successful, and that's why I'm going to bring up our sponsor, Greenlight Tech, because they're a great team. I like what you did there. They're a great team. (laughs) For an athlete to be successful, like I said, he needs a team, same as in business. That's why more small to mid-sized businesses in South Florida are choosing Greenlight Tech. The full-service concierge IT company that gets it right. Greenlight Tech advises, monitors, supports, and keeps your important data backed up and secure. They'll even manage your vendors for you. Call Greenlight Tech at 561-325-9997. Mention five reasons and get a free assessment. Sign up and your first month is free. You heard that. First month, free. Be unstoppable when you go on green. Visit Greenlight tech.com so simon what happened this week with our beloved football team not liverpool well, oh okay so <laughs> what something something else happened something did happen otas continued obviously continued to pace in which we'll talk about some some bits and bobs uh i suppose one of the biggest things to come out of it was that interestingly despite having played about 17 minutes of actual kind of Sport, in inverted commas, the Dolphins named a starting offensive line. No surprises, obviously. Tunsil, Sitton, Kilgore, Davis, and James. I suppose I suppose Davis is the talking point, perhaps, because because of Larson and because of... But really, it's not a particular surprise when you look at his body of work at the back end of the season. Uh, what do you think, guys? Is this a good idea? Is this too early? Does this give everybody else something to aim at? Does it give the guys who've been named starters, especially Kilgore and Davis, I suppose, does it give them a rock to cling on to and you know, really fight for? How, a bit of reverse psychology from the coaches? What do you think? Well, I think that uh, this is a, such a clear change from what we used to see under Chris Furster uh, with the cross <laughs> and, uh, that, that was me sniffing. Are, are you okay there? <laughs> I was just—you mentioned the uh, name Chris Forster and like a if bell. You, just... if, if you start if you start reciting poems to a stripper, then I'm gonna then this calls over. I think every time you mention the name Chris Forster from now on, I shall <laughs> have a ceremony. Have a have a I got ceremony. jokes for that. Have a uh, so uh, the the OL coach, former OL coach that will not be named. Um, he used to cross train guys and he used to shuffle them all around and they used to justify it. And people used to complain about it. Us, you know, kind of armchair second guessers uh, used to complain about it because it just didn't make a whole lot of sense. You always think you want these five guys to be together as much as possible, get a lot of chemistry. And, and here they are just shuffling everybody around. Now all of a sudden, you know, we're not even in camp yet. We're not even in many camps yet. Really. I don't think, um, and we've already got the starting five. And the, the big surprise, because we thought that there was going to be a competition, is Jesse Davis at right guard. We thought that um, the competition was going to be between he and Ted Larson, who was with Dowell Logans in uh, Chicago and might have even been recommended by Dowell to come down to Miami uh, when he did come. Uh, but they went ahead and just named Jesse Davis. I, I think it's a pleasant surprise for me. Because uh, we're talking about a guy who is, you know, as far as six foot six, three twenty one, thirty four inch arms, six foot ten inch wingspan. He's literally the same dimensions in every way as Quentin Nelson, um, and his ten yard split is, you know, one of like maybe the fourth best in the mock draftable database. Is is uh, cone drill is like maybe the eighth best in the mock draftable uh, database among guards. You know, big uh, 82nd percentile vertical, 84th percentile. I mean, he's a physical specimen. Um, And so you look at him and he's got a lot of talent. And already last year, 
he was as a right guard when he played those six games, specifically at right guard. He ranked uh, 13 out of 36 qualifying right guards in pressure rate, you know, pressures allowed uh, per snap, per pass snap. And I think so already he's kind of an above average pass protector and he's still, you know, he's a physical specimen and he's still going, he's still getting better. He's, he's only going to be in his second year really um, playing football in the NFL next year. So it's, there's a lot to, there's a lot to look forward to with him. And he actually mentioned something. He did a press conference today and he mentioned something that really highlights what his strength is as a pass protector and as a player uh, he said that in his one of his first starts against Baltimore, um, he had a lot of people, friends watching and, and family watching, and he ended up having a pretty good game. He said, but then he kind of, you know, he kind of caveated it and said, "Well, yeah, but I, I only I, they only did bull rushes on me like 90% of the time, so it was pretty easy, and so you know that's that's why I had a good game." Well, that's not so easy for everybody or for every guard and when you're as big and strong as him you know that's what he's got he's got that anchor and he's a guy that will continue the theme of pass protection for ryan Tannehill. alf any surprises for you any interesting kind of or were we kind of expecting this even though we weren't expecting it if you know what i mean yeah we were expecting this all along like these were the five guys that we would have penciled in you know and not too long ago uh, as as locks as across the offensive line. But what makes me happy about this is that this is the first offseason and this is going to be the first season where we look at our five offensive linemen and we really shouldn't have any complaints. Uh, it's a well-put-together unit. If you think about it, uh, you have your two first-round picks at, at the bookends. Tunsil and James should be good. You drafted them to be good. If they're not, then you got to reevaluate why they were drafted in the first place, especially for, for Tunsil. Tunsil should have a good season this year because he has Josh Satan playing next to him. We had complaints about guard all these years. Uh, they never really wanted to spend any money on it. Now they spend a little money on it, and who do they spend it on? They spend it on the guy who Pro Football Focus calls the best guard in football the last five years overall, I should say, because he was ranked, I believe, fifth last year. And then uh, we had complaints about Pouncey. And he gets canned. He gets thrown out of here. And they get a guy who's up and coming, who was a similar performer. And then you have the, devel the developmental guy in Jesse Davis. So I guess the, you know, the depth. I would like to, you know, I would like to see what's actually going to be behind them, because you know they're not going to make it all the way through, because it's the NFL. People get hurt. But it's the first off season in a very long time. In fact, I don't remember. Maybe maybe 2009. Or I believe it was 2009 when they when they spent all that money on that offensive line. We were pretty excited about it. We thought we had the the best offensive line in football. Probably since 2009, it's the first time that we could look at our offensive line and say, yeah, they actually did something. They built something here. Like this is a real offensive line. This is a good unit. So yeah, that makes me excited. Yeah, I mean I agree with you guys. I mean I think it's interesting that they that they named that, and I suppose I kind of made my point at the start in that. It kind of feels like it gives the guys who've been named starter, and I don't mean you know the Tunsils and the uh, and the Josh Sittons and whatever. Are we what are we calling him? Sitton or Sitton? I don't know. It's like I think it, it's isn't it Sitton? No, it's Sitton. Oh, it's Sitton. Yeah, it's Sitton. I think really? it's Sitton as well. Yeah, yeah I think uh, it's Sitton. This is a, this and is also, our Mike Gesicki. <laughs> yeah, I also have to take umbrage as per usual with Pro Football Focus in that I think he's very very good. I think Zach Martin and Marshall Gander would have a lot to say about whether or not. Sitton's been the best guard in football, um, but that's for another day. Um, but yeah, I think it's um, I think it's a positive thing, really. It gives the guys who are there something to cling on to and to work hard at, knowing that they're in the driving seat. And it gives those guys, you know, backup and and who are you know working for roster spots something to aim at, and you know the ability to be able to try and knock them down if they can. So just a positive for me, Chris. What else is going on? Well, there's there's a lot of other stuff going on, but just to clean up on the issue and give our listeners uh, a few more stats if they want it, Josh uh, Sitton uh, ranked number one out of 169 over the last five years among all guards uh, that qualified in terms of pressure rate allowed. Daniel Kilgore uh, had the uh, uncomfortable experience of having to had a, a uh, rookie quarterback, C.J. Beathard, behind him for... Uh, a couple of the games in the middle of the season, everybody on the offensive line looked poor because Beathard was holding the ball. 
uh, too long. But if you just count the the weeks that he was with Brian Hoyer at quarterback or Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback, he ranked number eight out of 38 qualifying centers in the pressure rate allowed. Jawan James ranked number four out of 35 among right tackles in his pressure rate for the games and the weeks that he played. And the the controversial guy is Laramie Tunsil because a lot of people think that he had a poor season, and, and I'll grant that he should have had a better season. It was his first season at a very premier position in the NFL. So uh, I have him ranked number 15 out of 35 qualifying left tackles in terms of the pressure rate allowed. I think his biggest problem was really all the penalties that he kept getting flagged for. Um, so the other news that, that happened, one thing I wanted to get to is uh, Dom Capers was visiting practice today. Um, or I don't know if it was today or yesterday, but he um, he was there. He was an observer. And uh, and many people are kind of wondering, you know, what was this about? Is this uh, is this a guy that could become attached to the team? Uh, what do you think, Alf? Well, uh, not really. Like Don Capers, uh, what's his connection really to the type of defense that we're going to play this year? Like, I, I really well, don't, I, th- I really don't get it. I think that uh, a lot of people know him for, you know, the three, four and the zone blitz a lot like Dick LeBeau. But. I think he's there. The most innovative thing Dom Capers did, um, and certainly in recent memory, is uh, is really start to perfect a defense whose base was really nickel, right? And um, and they used nickel uh, a lot more than everybody else. And in 2016, they used it a ton, and they only used base defense like a three-four or four-three, like 10% of snaps uh, in 2016. Um, fast, fast forward to 2017, what I was going to say is that um, they actually used base a lot more. Uh, but what they also did is they used dime a lot more. And dime means three safeties. And dime, uh, they used 45% of the time up in Green Bay with Dom Capers as the defensive coordinator. And what my, Miami has been talking about this for a little bit, and we've been talking about it a lot. And obviously we drafted a third safety and Minka Fitzpatrick, and now T.J. McDonald is not being moved to linebacker. He is competing at the safety spot. So he in comes this defensive coordinator whose specialty, really, is dime defense, nickel defense, three safeties. Uh, and Matt Burke, on the other hand, has almost no experience with dime defense because he used it a handful of times in two years with Miami. So that's where I would go with that. I think that that's that's the reason he's there is to to give them another set of eyes, maybe give them give them some some opinions as they try to install these three safety looks and dime defense. Yeah, let me ask you now. Let me ask you this because that's interesting that you say that because uh, just today uh, Barry Jackson wrote in the Herald that Bobby McCain was going to be given every single opportunity to start, quote unquote, start. Now we know what that could mean. It could mean that he's going to play in the nickel. But if they're going to play free safeties, you know, what does that mean for Lippitt? What does that mean for Cordrea Tankersley? I mean, I think I think the interesting thing is that, you know, already, and speaking to somebody around the facility today, the, the impact that Fitzpatrick has made both on and off the field already has, I, I think, even surprised some of the coaches in terms of the film study in terms of the work he's doing away from the facility, coming in the next day, being given like assignments to do away from, you know, when he leaves in the in the evening and he's either there late studying film, either on his own or with coaches, he's coming in the next morning and he's got his, you know, he's got his head around certain looks, certain things for the next day. I think that the team are blown away already by how he's doing, even in this early portion. The McCain thing, I, I, I don't think they're going to play Minka at, I just don't see them playing Minka at, at slot corner. I think that's Bobby McCain's position. I think that whilst they're obviously willing to give him the opportunity outside, because why wouldn't you create competition? You know, and you've got a really interesting comp- competition there. Tankersley, who they were high on, you know, who made some, who played pretty well at times, who occasionally had some issues with, um, you know, with communication on the back end. You've got Lippitt, who, who again played pretty well before he got injured, and now he's, you know, he, he's coming back rehabilitating from that Achilles injury, and has generally looked pretty good. And I know there were some quotes out there yesterday or the day before about just how well he's done and the the hard work that he's put in. I just don't see Bobby McCain as a full time starter on the perimeter. I don't, um, and I think he'll end up back in the slot where he's one of the best in the league. I think uh, I, my own theory on this would be that because of Minka Fitzpatrick being here. 
And because they do appreciate Bobby McCain, and by the way, he did his press conference and very intelligent guy. He's always really, really impressive to watch in his press conferences. But he got tripped up one time and he was talking about it being in a contract year and all. And somebody just asked him a very simple question. Have you have you and the team been talking about contract? He stammered for like 20 <laughs> seconds straight. I mean, he was just, it was literally, it was bad. It was like, I, uh, I, uh, um, uh, he did. He it, lost it, his was, it did. It was, it, and it was an absurdly long time that he said that he, that he was just awkwardly sitting there trying to find words. So something's cooking, uh, behind the scenes between he and the yeah. team. I would bet, I would bet quite a bit on it. Uh, they love him, and yet they drafted Minka Fitzpatrick, who can play slot and can can make an impact there, um, especially you know in helping some of the perimeter tackling and the run defense and blitzing and stuff like that. So what do you do? Well, that's when I think that you start to look at Bobby McCain and say, well, if we really appreciate this player, let's allow him to compete to be basically a Chris Harris. And Chris Harris, what does he do? He plays on the perimeter when you're in base, which isn't quite honestly all that often anymore. And and then he moves to the slot when they're in nickel or when they're, when they're in uh, more passing situations. So, no, I, I don't see Bobby McCain on the perimeter full time, but I could see him on the perimeter in a lot of base packages when they're only using two corners out there and they're using you know two safeties, two corners. Um, I could see that happening at, just as a way of keeping his reps up and, ta- and getting all the best players on the field. They always talk about that, you know, let's get our best players on the field and, and such. So I do think that there's there's upside for him there that he can win in some of those perimeter um, roles and base while still being a big deal in nickel. And if they start using dime, he's automatic on the field in dime. The interesting thing as well is that it just a it creates competition, and b you look at the depth that this team now has, especially on the back end. There are a lot of players there. You, you'd be comfortable if Tony Lippett was back healthy the, the way he was two seasons ago, that he could start. You'd be comfortable potentially with with Tank starting. Mm-hmm. We all like McCain. We'd probably be comfortable with him starting on the perimeter as, as well. We're certainly very comfortable with him in the slot. D- d- that There's a level of expectation now at certain positions. Isn't there? I mean, look at, to me, the, the interesting buzz as well is around Raekwon McMillan, a guy that we've talked about almost mm-hmm. weekly. But, you know, you have Frank Bush coming out today saying, look, you know, this is the same kid now. All of a sudden you're seeing all the hallmarks, all the traits that we saw before. You saw him just looking and sounding and feeling the level of seriousness, the movement ability, the mental ability and agility to understand his position and make the calls. This is the kind of, this is the sort of stuff we were hearing last year as well about McMillan. All of a sudden it feels like the coaches are like, yes, we've got the kid back. He's, you know, it looks the same on the field and clearly mentally he's taking it almost to another level that the season off has helped him in, in some respects. That's a, that for me is very interesting. Bush also talked up Jerome Baker today, speed and quickness, athleticism. But he also mentioned he's got a really good brain. That's very important, you know, because some of these kids are going to come out on the field and not be entirely sure what they're going to going to be able to do. It just feels like, come on, it's four days in, five days in, or whatever. Yeah. But arrow, arrow up seems to be seems to be interesting. The, the other thing is obviously the injury to Leontay Carew, which, you know, he's going to obviously be in a battle. I'm a, I, I like Carew and I think he's kind of undervalued potentially, but he really is going to struggle to make a, a roster spot if we only carry five receivers. But it's a, the fact that he's going to have his knee scoped and he's going to miss some time, potentially be back in time for training camp. But, you know, for, for, for a kid like that who's on the periphery of the roster, this is a this is a setback for him, isn't it? This is, a, this is an issue for, for, for somebody who... You know, we gave up a fair bit to get, and he's never really shown what he can do. But he's now really, really in a dogfight to save his career in Miami. I was gonna. I want to ask you guys. I'll ask you, Alf, this question. Like, where do you? Maybe you have an opinion or not. Where do you think it went wrong for Carew? Because I think you know, looking at him, um, I think you know, after we got used, we got to know him as a prospect. Most of us were were uh, optimistic about him. Uh, but you look at like look at him side by side with say a Jakeem Grant. Both of them got very few snaps, but Jakeem was insanely productive on a you know on a per snap basis, and Leonte Carew like got some snaps as well, but like no no production. Like where do you think it went wrong for him? What went wrong for Leonte Carew was two words: eleven personnel. Our coaches fell in love with this idea of having Devontae Parker 
Kenny Stills, and Jarvis Landry, and really didn't get into many other packages that would see Carew in there. And if you think about it, uh, we had some relative health to Stills and Jarvis Landry that whole time. Now, Devontae Parker was in and out, but he wasn't really in and out as much as you may think. And when he was out, they always found somebody else or some other excuse to use somebody else. So it's one of those things where he never really grabbed a hold of his roster spot. He was really, it only, it looked to me mostly like he was on the team because they had to justify the trade that they made for him. Because he never really grabbed the roster spot. Because he really he did have an opportunity to be the fourth wide receiver. And he really never got the run that you would think he would get as a fourth wide receiver. Yeah, I mean, looking at it and, and yards per route, and Jakeem Grant in 2017 was the sixth highest in the NFL uh, in yards per route. Uh, the guys in front of him are guys like Julio Jones, Antonio Brown, Keenan Allen, DeAndre Hopkins, and Michael Thomas. I mean, obviously star players. And, and here he is right after them. But Leonte Carew, I mean, he did get first whack when Devontae was out. He just, mm. I mean, he wasn't getting catches in yards. I, I I really wonder, is that just, you know, the play calling doesn't go your way? You know, what, it, or does he just not make that much sense as a player? I'm, I'm curious about that because, you know, he's two, a talented uh, kid. Yeah, only 264 snaps in, in two seasons in Miami, which is yeah. not a huge amount given that, you know, you look at him, physical go up and get the ball, was decent after the catch at Rutgers. I mean, his yards per, yards per catch number was something like 19.1, was it, as a senior? It was really high. I mean, he's uh, yeah, hey, he's well put together. We've seen him, Chris, up close. He's a big, you know, he's not tall, but he's physically imposing. You know, and I th- I've said this before, when he gets in the game and he's thrown to, he seems to get better at the more involved he is in the game. And it just seems like we don't get him involved enough. And But maybe that's, you know, we're not there. We're not privy to know what's going on. So he just seems like a really interesting, interesting kid who, who perhaps would end up at another team and end up probably outperforming what he's done in Miami. The other name that I keep getting told about, and I've now heard it from three separate people in however many days we've been doing OTAs, is a guy that we mentioned in the first post-draft show, a guy who every single day has made plays, had another play today, made another big play today, and that is Jalen Davis, the undrafted free agent cornerback, who has just been apparently liked out as probably too much of a, because it's not training camp and this is just, you know, OTAs or OTAs, but Davis apparently is making a big impression. You know, interception today, I think he had an interception yesterday, a couple of passes broken up. He seems to, the game doesn't seem to be too big for him, doesn't seem to be too fast for him. He's a very interesting kid, isn't he? This is a kid that could really push and make the team as one of those one of those backup cornerbacks and potentially could be, you know, if they do end up letting Bob McCain go, he's got that slot corner mentality, that slot corner ability. He's tough, mm-hmm. he's durable. You, you could be looking at a guy that, you know, if he has a good season, the team suddenly think, well, maybe we can let Bob McCain go because there's a ready-made replacement right here. Yeah, I, I think he's a fantastic uh, player and, and a guy to keep an eye on because obviously he was such a ball hawk in college, but he was he was quick. Uh, I always those guys they got to be quick and they got to be really physical, right? Um, and he coming forward on the attack. I mean, he he really was very physical, hitting. Um, so you got to have an eye on him, but you have to also say it's so deep there. I mean, you you made the yeah. point earlier, right? I mean, it's so it's so deep. I mean, we're we're talking about. You know, Bobby McCain, if he does win the second job, uh, then you've still got Cordrea Tankersley and Tony Lippett behind him. Um, and and then at the safeties, you know, you've, you've got four or maybe, you know, maybe even five safeties that you like, too. Uh, and then the, the new guy, Cornell Armstrong, that who they drafted and oh. is probably going to get more opportunities to make the roster. Who has a of lot of special status. teams experience, too. Yeah. yeah. Another guy we like. Another guy we like. Yeah, absolutely. To be fair as well, Jalen Davis did pick off Bryce Petty today, so it's, you know. <laughs> yeah, but so did I. So like, did I. I left my house for 30 yeah. minutes, and, you know, I took one to the house, so. It's like it's like getting a racist insult off Roseanne Barr. It's always going to happen. So, <laughs> yeah, know. yeah, it's like it, it's going to happen. You know, it's just a matter of when it's going to happen. Exactly. Yeah. Now, let exactly. me ask one question before we go to break uh, of both of you. Do you remember, because I don't, and I have a pretty long memory on these things, do you remember the last time that we had a rookie in camp Obviously, we're talking about Minka Fitzpatrick. That's had so many rave reviews. We're struggling off the top of my head, Chris. You know, they were they were really they were really high on Raekwon immediately. Yeah, I mean that was pretty that was pretty immediate. Okay, then let me let me qualify it. Let me qualify my question then. A first round pick. 
Uh, good question. No. Well, certainly not Devontae Parker. Um, <laughs> Laramie Tunsil didn't. I mean, it's like, you had guys. You had guys, Alf. I remember that were that were raving behind the scenes about Laramie. But that I think. But it was all athletic. That, it was all. It was all like look. Yeah. Look at him move for such a big guy and look at his. It kid. was also. It was also all like draft stuff. It was yeah. also you know like thinking I suppose, about. I suppose you go back to like a Vontae Davis, Jake Long. Jake would probably fit into that category, maybe. Jake Long probably. I mean, if if you think about it, Jake Long like immediately was making people's jaws drop. I do remember that. So that would probably what, be it. I, I I tell you what, you go back. I'm just looking now, actually. So I'm uh, rather than pulling this up, I, I would say that I can remember before he got injured, your teal green. Yes. Early on was was very impressive, and then he blew out his knee and that kind of. Uh, and don't forget. That was 97. That's 21 years ago. And, you know, right. ACL technology and re- restructure has, has changed exponentially since then. So Daryl Gardner and Bowens both made early impacts. Yes. Um, and the other guy, the other guy who I remember, you know, I mean, we had two. For me, we hit both first round picks out the out the ballpark, at least, you know, to start with. Marco Coleman did well very early, but Troy Vincent was absolutely, yes. you know, smooth. Uh, as good a looking rookie as you know we've we've dra- first round rookie as we've ever drafted in my lifetime. OJ, McDonald, yeah, our guest last week, uh, you know, our friend <laughs> on the on the network on the fish tank, OJ McDuffie, also had a good you know. But I think Troy Vincent for me going back to '92 was a pretty early signs from Vincent. I can always remember people you know talking up how good he was, and he, he went out on the field and you know he looked he absolutely looked the part. So Richmond Webb would be another one. Richmond looked great early on. But, I'm surprised uh, you haven't mentioned Dion Jordan. Well, you know, <laughs> he was the next name up. Along with, and I know he wasn't a first-round pick, but he was our first pick. So, you know, God will always give some love to Eddie Moore. Oh, God. Ted Gannon Eddie, and Jason Allen. Eddie oh, Moore. Boy. Do you know what Eddie Moore does now? What? What? Do you know what he does for a living? Picking, oh, picking, to... He's a bank uh, teller. A, b- <laughs> a bank teller. You get, you yeah, get less was. fights at the bank. Yeah, well. So he stole yeah. money in the NFL, and now he has a chance to steal money yeah. in real life. Well, there now he gets to do it legally. <laughs> I mean, that's alleg- allegedly. Yeah, allegedly. I don't, I don't need to get sued by anybody. <laughs> allegedly, that's what he does. Actually, yeah. uh, uh, my brother was uh, my brother was getting an an Uber ride um, last year, and uh, the guy. He's like, "Oh yeah, I, I play for the Miami Dolphins," and, uh, and he's like, "Really?" And, who who are you? <laughs> it's it was it was Corey Sheets. You remember Corey wow. Sheets, the yeah. running back? Yeah, yeah. Uber, Uber driver here in Tampa now. So. Well, I've got a game for you, okay? Between now and the end of between now and the end of today's show, okay? I want you to give me three years between 1990 and 2010, okay? And then I will read our draft picks of those three oh. years, and we'll pick a name. And whilst we're carrying on doing it, I will try and find out what those three people are now doing for a living. <laughs> okay. And by the end of the show, when we close out, I will say that player X is now a Uber driver, player Y is now a stripper, and player Z <laughs> is now a goalkeeper for Liverpool. Let's. What player see. is a stripper? I, I mean, I'm just literally picking a job just for the sake of it. It was the first thing that came into my head. So pick. Okay. So go on, pick a year. I'm gonna pick. Chris, should I should I give it to you now? Yeah, give it to me now. I'm going to pick 2000. Okay, Alf, give me a year. Oh, I'm going to pick a a terrible year, 2004. Okay, and I'm going to pick 1996, just off the top of my head. Right, Chris, our draft picks in 2000 were, and so I'm going to give you the list, and you're going to give me a player. Todd Wade, Ben Kelly, Dion Dyer, Arturo Freeman, Ernest Grant, and Jeff Harris. Give me a player, and I will try and discover before the end of the program what they do for a living now. Because we've already mentioned him before, and he had your your this favorite is, love child's number, Dion Dyer. Dion Dyer. I, right. would li- I would love to know what Dion Dyer is doing today. Beautiful. Alf, Vernon Carey, Will Poole, Tony Buer, Rex Hadno, Tony Pape, and Derek Pope. Pick me up. There's player. only one answer here. There's only one answer. Here. <laughs> okay. Go ahead. Okay. Now I know I know what three of those guys are doing right now. Okay. Okay. Well, then pick one that you don't know what's. But I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna pick one that I thought was gonna be a hell of a player, and that's Derek Pope. So 1996. This is mine. So we had Daryl Gardner, Dorian Brew, uh, Sharman Shah, aka Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Kurt Pointer, Stanley Pritchett, 
Le Curtis Jones, Shane Burton, Zach Thomas, Sean Wooden, Jeff Bucky, and Bryce Hunter. And you know what? I quite like Stanley Pritchett at the time. So yeah. I'm going to try and discover what Stanley Pritchett is doing. And I hopefully shall have answers to all of those three questions by the time we go off air in about 10, 15 minutes time. All right. Now, before we get further along, we want to uh, we want you to listen to all of the uh, other podcasts on the Five Reasons Sports Podcast Network. You know, here are some previews. While we have a minute here, I want to introduce you to what's going on with the Five Reasons Sports Network. We started with one podcast, the Five Reasons Flagship, that's hosted by myself, Ethan Skolnick, along with Chris Whittingham. But Chris, since then, we've added four more. Yes, we have, Ethan. We have, for the Miami Heat fans out there, we have Miami Heat Beat, Three Yards Per Carry, a juggernaut of a Dolphins podcast, Simon Clancy, C.K. Parrott, Uptown Report on Twitter, doing a brilliant job there, Balls Cast with Chris Joseph and Slim. He does not go by a name. He merely goes by Slim. And then we have Pitch Invasion, which I host. is a soccer podcast. We're going to be going strong during the World Cup. So check out all the other podcasts in the Five Reasons Sports Network. And be sure to check out the Twitter account, at Five Reasons Sports. That's the number five reason sports. We post all the schedules for the podcast, polls, all kinds of cool stuff there. You will not get more information from any other sports outlet in South Florida. Sports by Miami for Miami. And we're back. Again, we want you to listen to all those guys on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Uh, Kind of a general topic now because we were talking about this. You know, it just it seems like this offseason more is going right than I can remember in a long time. And I, you know, I touched on this um, on on Twitter when I gave 35 reasons that the Dolphins are going to be better in 2018 than they were in 2017. And a lot of those were thematic, you know, based on what's gone on in this offseason. And uh, I, Alf, I, what, what do you think about this? Like, do you think this is the dream offseason or do you think that, you know, it's kind of so-so or, you know, when was the last time you can remember an offseason going well? Uh, what do you think? Uh, the last time I remember an offseason going this well was the offseason that they acquired Irving Fryer and Mark Ingram because mm. you felt you felt like, OK, uh, they have to move on from Mark Clayton and Mark Duper because we've seen them play and we know that they're very near the end of it. And the team is good enough to contend for a Super Bowl. That's the way we were thinking. And mm-hmm. sure enough, they they absolutely nailed an offseason by getting those two guys. And, and of course, they drafted O.J. McDuffie very soon thereafter. This offseason has been as smooth as any I can ever remember. And, and it's it's been so smooth that you keep waiting for the for a shoe to drop, for something bad to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and maybe it's because we've been so conditioned to to bad news around here. But it has absolutely been a dream this off season, and it didn't start off all that great. It looked like it was going to be you know hell on earth after they started losing all those guys. But they recovered beautifully. They recovered like like we would recover if we had everything go our way. Like I don't mm-hmm. remember one guy that was out there that we missed on that we really wanted to you know that we pounded the table to get. Even the draft, the draft was just one after the other. The only miss that I felt that we had was that, you know, I don't know why we didn't get another Alabama secondary guy in the seventh round in Tony Brown, you know, because mm. I thought that, you know, he would make a lot, a lot of sense because, you know, another great athlete from a big school made a, made perfect sense. But, you know, well, where's Tony Brown now? He was a seventh round pick. He's in San Diego, I believe. So, you know, if your only complaint is that, you know, you're iffy on that seventh round pick. And I guess, you know, the, the field goal kickers, I know nothing about them. That's the only uncertainty I have. But the offensive line, the tight ends, the receivers, you know, Tannehill is back. The defense looks faster. Uh, we have a premium player in the secondary to go with Rashad Jones. Uh you know, Xavier Howard's coming back after having a spectacular second half of the season. Yeah, like everything has gone right that can go right. So all we need now is just health. Yeah, I think that particularly you look at on offense, the way that everybody fits together. And that's what I that's what I appreciate so much about this offseason in general in a, in a couple of different ways. And the theme, um, the theme of it. Yeah, yeah. The theme, the themes that are going around on offense and defense, um, you know, the themes on offense of intelligence and 
being veterans and uh, and being uh, knowing what you're about with the playbook so that you can go ahead and try and run the no huddle, which is what we know that Adam Gase wants to do. And all the guys um, with, the, with the advanced number resumes that, that check mm-hmm. out, every single one of them, even our fourth round pick at running back, Kellen Balazs. Yes, I'm mm-hmm. oh bring him up. <laughs> even he he was considered one of the best if not the best pass protecting running back in the pac 12 where did they go wrong where was the mistake well I, if i had to pick one if i had to, to pick one that you know sort of i'm so so on i'm not even i'm not even really negative on it but um you know trading the pick that they did but really the money that they're giving robert quinn uh it's not it's not so much questionable i just wonder if it is as good as a lot of people are assuming it to be uh and just because and we've talked about this before but robert quinn hasn't really been uh, a productive an elite production pass rusher and i'm not just talking about sacks i'm talking about all pressures since probably 2014 or something like that so you know he's been sort of middling and i think that when he came over people are it reminds me a little bit of when we acquired david boston mm-hmm. uh, david boston we got for a um you know a very low pick uh in the draft traded for him because he had issues mm-hmm. um but a lot of people didn't care about those issues they just saw david boston the former top pick who was also extremely good in arizona when he played there um, before he got to the to the Dolphins. So everybody was like, well, we got David Boston, man. You know, it's fine mm-hmm. that Ricky Williams is retired on us all of a sudden because we got David Boston and we got Marty Booker, you know, and, and that's that's the way it was going to be is like, you know, we're over we're oh, we're counting too much on this guy who was acquired for a very low pick. Um, and those guys go for that for a reason. I think Robert Quinn you know, went for that for a reason. Uh, he hasn't been good since probably 2014 or so. Um, so I'm, I'm wondering how he's going to do. But you know, this is a new defense. This is a this is a different defense for him. Um, and he's, you know, they say Matt Burke was positive that this defense is exactly made for him so that's the one i would go with but if that's if that's the worst one my god you know what you've you've had a great offseason i get nervous talking about these this sort of stuff in part because you kind of feel like there's a massive injury around the corner just because we've gone whoa isn't this amazing um <laughs> that's the way it's, I interesting feel. Is, it's interesting as well the guys over here certainly in the uk and the guys you know who who run the magazine that i work for we had a we have a whatsapp group just like we do and i was talking up the dolphins the other day and they were absolutely ripping me you know first overall pick your team is terrible you know i can't believe this is the most myopic kind of one-eyed fandom and i was like no 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 talking up and they were just like la ha 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 and i was like we won six games last year with jay cutler and now we're getting the franchise quarterback back and you think we're going to lose left well you got rid of landry you got rid of sue and i was talking about you know the over-reliance on Landry as much as I liked him. Oh, that's spinning. You're spinning it. You're this, you're that. Uh, uh, the flip side to our confidence is, are we just, are we being myopic? Or is the real cause for this could be a playoff year? Or are we, uh, are we too close to it? Are we, I don't know. Because it feels like everybody else thinks you guys are going to be like competing for the first overall pick. And I don't even know why you're thinking about anything else. I mean, I've literally got a kind of a, how much money do you want to put on it? And somebody else sent me a message. Uh, there was the the Tannehill, so the editor of the magazine, the Tannehill Jasicki video that was out yesterday with it, with with Ryan kind of talking Jasicki through, which was 28 seconds of absolute glory. Mm-hmm. He sent me this message going, "Ha ha, look at this! Here's your first step to ten and six, as if it was like some great joke." And you just think, "Are we seeing this through rose-tinted glasses, or just just nobody else know what we know?" I think if we are if we are, it's because of what we're forgetting, not because of what we're thinking about. I, and we tend to. We tend to forget, for instance, I think that we tend to forget the defensive tackle position and the fact that Ndamukong and Sue is no longer there. And we kind of gloss over it. We talked about this even a little bit before the draft. I mean, everybody's like, oh, no, I don't want a defensive tackle in the draft. Um, you know, we're, we're done with Sue, like almost as if it's not a, an important position anymore. And um, and I think that if, if something jumps up and bites us, it's going to be on defense and it's going to be, uh, it might start in the middle. Our assessment of the team, that it's improved, is absolutely 100% correct. Now, does it translate to a lot more wins? Well, we don't know. Now, where the downfall could be is that we are relying on a lot of young people. And in the NBA, mm-hmm. there's a saying that says young don't win. 
Well, it should go for the NFL too, because uh, Young re- usually does not win in the NFL either. That could be true on the defense, but I mean, if you look at what they did in the off season, I mean, they added Josh Sitton and mm-hmm. and Danny Amendola and um, you know Frank Gore and uh, and Daniel Kilgore. All real Albert Wilson is not you know he's young-ish, I guess, but yes. I mean he's he's beyond his four years uh, of a rookie deal. So um, I, so he's a he's really a journeyman at this point so mm-hmm. they they got experienced guys they got experienced smart guys and so it, it's not that young on the offense really kenny stills is a really experienced guy now uh and danny amendola like like i was saying um you know Kenyon drake is less experienced but it's not like you know he's in his third year he's 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 uh, aside from Frank Gore, I think he's like the uh, the oldest um, running back in the room. Uh, he was saying earlier, and, and you listen to him in his press conference. He's so impressive now. He has grown up so much um, and gotten so mature in the way that he thinks about things and the way he speaks about things. I think that's. I mean, if we talk about things that we forget, and uh, I talk about you know we kind of try to conveniently stuff away this this whole Indomitian Sioux thing and and the fact that. We've only got Devon Godshaw and and Jordan Phillips and uh, Vincent Taylor and to replace Spence. him, and Akeem Spence. That's right. Um, to replace him, to replace a guy that monumentally good. Um, well, here's the thing that we forget on the offense, which is that Kenyon Drake has, for the first two years in the league, looked like an All Pro at running back. And people don't. He has a Pro Football Focus has a, a statistic that um, that they put together, and it's, it's it's soundly constructed. It's just it's just your yards after contact per carry. So like you know, if you get average three and a half yards after contact per carry, and then uh, multiplied by the rate at which you create missed tackles you know, per run. Mm-hmm. And his, his, his elusiveness rating is the highest in the NFL uh, over the two, the two seasons, tw- 2016 and 2017. And that's not, you know, listen, this wasn't Jay Ajayi running behind the unicorn line, you know, back in 2016, when we finally had all five guys healthy for like a minute mm-hmm. and, um, and Jay, Jay Ajayi was running wild behind him. I mean, that that's not where Kenyon Drake's production came from. Kenny Drake's production came from before JHIE really became the starter. And then in 2017, after we traded JHIE. So he's running behind Sam Young at right tackle and Ted Larson. And, you know, uh, sometimes if, if other guys were missing the game, uh, Jesse Davis was in there. He's a starter. Uh, but he was not running behind, you know, a great offensive line. And yet he was that elusive and that productive like the most productive back over the last five games or something like that in the NFL. Uh, he, he was, he was phenomenal. He was really look at the tape, watch all the carries again, watch all the catches. He was phenomenal. And that's the, that's the hidden superstar. Like if this time next year, we're going to be talking about Kenyon Drake as like a star running back, not just a good running back, but like a star running back. As long as he can shake the injury prone label. Yeah. That came out of him, came with him out of Alabama. If, Stay healthy. You know, that's the big that's if, right? But you know, still, that's the one. We don't, you know, you don't hear a lot of people talking about that. But he is going to be a star. Yeah, the guy I'm interested in, in terms of this whole conversation, you, know, you talk about Drake. You talk, it's Charles Harris, who's kind mm. of flown a little bit under the radar, and we touched on him a little bit, and he's been working out with John Bonamega. And I'm interested to see how many of those nearly sacks and half step away sacks. That he had because obviously I don't think he's going to start. I think Robert Quinn will start and uh, and Wake, but it'll be interesting to see how Harris plays because I I do think he has the potential to you know if he can close that half a step that he was lacking ten twelve times last season then you know he might just become a really interesting player. Clearly working hard, clearly apparently hanging out with Wake a whole lot, trying to understand the little nuances of the game, the nuances of pass rushing. I think he's an interesting guy to keep an eye on. Now before we finish, I have done it. Okay, <laughs> here they I, are. 
I have done mm-hmm. it. Okay, who, who wants to go, who wants to know which player first? Well, give me Derek Pope because I thought he was going to okay. be great. Okay, Derek Pope. First of all, how much do you think Derek Pope weighs these days? Oh my God! Does <laughs> he, he, he was did a, go, he was did a he linebacker one way or, so. or the was, other. Yeah, he was a linebacker, and when he played, he was a very slim guy. He was I would say he was about a two hundred and twenty eight pound guy because he was pretty. He quick. was Alabama as well, so you know. Yeah, and he was pretty. I, he was a pretty good special teams player. He wasn't like you know a joke for us. Like he actually played okay for us. So I would say if every time when when somebody says guess how much this guy weighs, it doesn't mean that he's in great shape and he's 185 pounds. It means he went up. Please don't tell uh, me he's over three bills, is he? I'm going with three bills. I'm going. Well, I'm going in stone rather than pounds. Okay. Because <laughs> that's how I work it out. Well, if you like, I can calculate it here All whilst right. you're talking to yourself. <laughs> I love. You. According to a photograph on Facebook in January of this year, with a with the line underneath that said, I don't know how it's come to this. Derek Pope. <laughs> I can't believe this is true. He didn't look this big in other photos. Derek Pope, according to this, according to the scales, and there was a photo of the scales, weighs 364 pounds. Oh, my God. Which is the equivalent of 26 stone. I don't, that the pictures, he doesn't look like a 364-pound man, but maybe he is. I don't he's think Keith a, Trailer ever got to that. No, he's still I alive. Challenge, I challenge anybody to go look up pictures of Derek Pope when he actually played. Yeah, wow. it doesn't look like that now. <laughs> no. <laughs> D- Dion Dyer, Chris? What uh, do you think he I, does? At, at this rate, Dion Dyer has actually shrunk by two feet, <laughs> and, and he weighs like 85 pounds. Do you know what his nickname was? I didn't know this, or at least I don't remember that I knew this. Oh, wasn't it? Gunsmoke. 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 I never heard him called that ever. <laughs> Quick pitch to Gunsmoke. I've never heard that. <laughs> Somebody made That's, that up. I'm calling bullshit on that. Yeah. So he is now he is now an assistant coach at uh, a high school. Uh, so still in the game. Still in the game. Stanley Pritchett nice. is a high school professor and head coach of Arabia Mountain High School in Georgia. Ah, so still in coaching as well. Still in coaching as well. And I, I picked out one bonus, but I've given you two oh, bonuses right. only because one of the other bonuses that I came across has got the greatest job of all time. Shane Burton, it's not him who has the greatest job of all time. Shane Burton lives in California now, plays a lot of golf. Hmm. He has two daughters who are, who are uh, trying to become models. He was arrested most recently for getting into a bar fight brawl uh, during President Trump's uh, inauguration speech because he didn't like what he was saying. So he laid out a security <laughs> guard and a guy sat at the bar. Or he that really, sounds like Shane. Or, or it could be the other way around. He, he, might, he might have really, really liked what Donald Trump was saying. He was saying, no, you know what? You go president. Now let me go knock this guy out. According to this, no. I mean, I would think that Shane Burton was a Donald Trump fan, but apparently not. Uh, so apparently. Lex Hilliard. The great Lex Ooh. Hilliard, fullback from uh, from 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 Montana. It, Montana? Yeah. yeah, Lex Hilliard, a sixth-round pick, taken two hundred fourth in the two thousand and eight draft. What does Lex Hilliard do for a living? He is a he's a he was an athletic dynamo. I remember he that. Was. Like, he he was he really was. gifted. Uh, so if he's if if a man's that gifted, like is he? Is he like a model now or something like that? Alf, what are you going for? Uh, he owns a hat company. You are probably closer than Chris, to be fair. He <laughs> works for LaSalle Sand and Gravel Excavation Services in Kalispell, Montana. That wow. is some fucking come down wow. from playing in the NFL. <laughs> Talking about a come down. All right. With that, we want to close up here. Uh, we want to thank you guys for listening. Again, this is uh, Three Yards Per Carry. We're on the Five Reasons Sports Network. We want you to listen to all the guys on the network, and uh, we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Carry. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.
Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T R Y L I F E M D.com.